the Our Empowerment Podcast. Today we're talking to Ms. Roberts, a landlord who oversees two different properties. We're going to talk about what you should do and what you shouldn't do inside of your apartment complex. So stick around and find out more. Thank you for joining us. My name is Keith and I am your host today and I'm excited that you're here. I am joined by a very special guest, Ms. Roberts. She is the community manager at two complexes here in Lexington, Kentucky, Fox Run and Matador North. These are low-income apartment complexes that serve a wide range of people. So I thought it'd be great to sit down and talk to her about what you need to do to get a lease here at the place, what you need to do to stay in the place and not become evicted. So let's start out with the very basics. I'm looking to rent an apartment what exactly do you need to do? So I'm looking around, looking at different apartments. I come to, let's say, Matador North or Fox Run. What exactly should I bring with me so that I can rent an apartment, get things started? Everyone over the age of 18 needs to have an ID, social security card, and their income verification, whether that be their employment paycheck stubs or an award letter. Now, if they have children or anyone over the age of 18, they would need to provide their social security cards and birth certificates for all those under the age of 18. So if I bring all that stuff, how quickly can I move into an apartment? Well, it depends. A lot of times it can be the same day, just depending on the availability. Um, Usually if it's not the same day, usually within a week, usually absolutely no more than two weeks. So same day, between same day and two weeks, definitely we can get you in. Awesome. Because I know people... I know, I guess, when I started looking for an apartment for the first time, I thought, you know, I'd get in immediately, but that's not always the case. Uh, In fact, I had to wait for my first apartment because there just wasn't any available, and I was in a town with one complex. So make sure that you plan ahead when you're looking for an apartment. So when I walk in, what should I look for in an apartment? What should I ask the landlord about the complex before I put money down, some sometimes significant money down, to stay at their complex and sign a long-term contract a whole year? Absolutely. I would definitely recommend first doing your own research um, before visiting the property. Check out the Google reviews and ratings because um, a lot of times they can be quite honest. Um, So definitely check out the Google ratings and reviews. In addition to that, I would definitely ask the landlord about the area, the crime, the amenities, if and when any renewal incentives will be offered um, and things of that nature. And one of the things I like to do when I'm looking at a complex or looking to buy a house is I always look at the cars in the neighborhood in the evening. It gives you a pretty good idea of how people take care of things. If people are willing to take care of their car, they're typically willing to take care of the complex as well as their stuff. So just another kind of fun idea. I have a small litter of animals. Uh, So if me and my wife were looking for a complex, what type of things would we need to bring with us? And what are some of the things that might have to happen for us to have dogs at a complex like this? Well, one of the first things that we'd want to do is do a pet interview. We do have a maximum of two. Um, So hopefully your litter of animals isn't too huge because, again, our maximum is two. I'd need to determine and ascertain whether or not if it's a service animal. If it is, we'd want that certification uh, so that you won't be charged. Um, Now, with that being said, if you have a service animal and damage is caused by the service animal, you are still responsible 
for those damaged fees. And that depends, you know, that doesn't matter if it's a service animal or just a regular um, non-service animal. So in addition to the pet interview, we would like to have um, the pet description and vet records. Um, those are the requirements that we would want if you would choose to live at one of our two affordable housing communities. I should say my animals are awful. You don't want them in your complex. Uh, I, should say, I should say my wife's animals are awful. You don't want them in your complex. So me and my pets move into your complex. Are there any rules about how you have to handle your pets in a complex like this? Can I let them off the leash? Do I have to walk them in certain areas? How does that work? Well, we definitely do have community rules. We do have um, pet stations throughout both properties at Fox Run and Matador North. Your dogs, regardless of the size, must be on a leash at all times when they are outside of the apartment. We do issue notices and fines if you're caught walking your dog without a leash and or not picking up after your dog. Those are things that we're very big on because we do provide the pet stations with the, the pickup bag. So we would definitely encourage, require, it's a rule, um, that you do walk your dog, cat, whatever you have on a leash and that you do pick up after your pet when you walk them outside of your apartment. And some interesting, here's an interesting fact for you. They can actually, this complex does not do it, I don't think, but they can actually test the urine and feces of animals to determine that it's yours, and that can lead to eviction. So make sure you pick up after your dog. Plus, people without animals don't particularly like stepping in dog poop. I suppose people with animals don't either as well. So dogs and cats are okay. What are some other animals that are okay or maybe not okay? Well, we definitely um, do not want <laughs> snakes and reptiles and things of that nature. We don't mind, you know, fish, um, aquariums and things of that nature. But reptiles, we'd rather you not bring them. Ducks, we would rather you not try to have them in your apartment. We've actually had to issue um, notices after my maintenance staff has went in and informed me that, hey, these people have baby ducks in their apartment. It's actually happened twice. Um, so besides birds, fish, cats, and dogs, uh, anything other than those four is probably going to be a no-go. And something that I've learned this week while here, they are not fans of bugs. Uh, so definitely keep, if you're a bug collector of any sort, probably not the complex for you. So pets are okay. What are the rules with overnight guests? If my brother's in town or my girlfriend wants to come over to my apartment, what are the rules with that? Um, I know when I came to this complex, and as I am now, I have to have a parking pass, so that would seem like something I need for an overnight guest, but are they even allowed? Absolutely. It is your apartment home, so we want you to make it yours, and that does include having guests, and we understand that sometimes they'll stay overnight. However, our rule is they cannot stay more than 14 days without being added to the lease. Um, that does not have to be 14 consecutive days. That is 14 uh, out of 365. So if they're staying more than 14 days in a year, we need to get them added to the lease. And I think it's really noteworthy, um, this rule, not just because it's very flexible for me as a tenant, but also as a parent, because you may know your neighbors and they may be great people, but the reality is they have 14 days. They can have anybody and everybody in their complex. You don't know and you know may not trust. It's a scary world out there. So definitely watch your kids because of rules like this. So one of the things uh, that I experience a lot with my job is people that either don't know how to pay rent when they first move in or may not know the processes. 
And you guys have an interesting process that I had never seen before uh, in my experience with staying at apartment complexes. So tell us, what are some of the ways that at these two properties you can pay rent? Great, Keith. Um, Effective August 1, we went into only online portal payments or paying at your local CVS. You can come into our uh, leasing office, see one of our friendly leasing agents, the assistant manager and myself. We'll print you out what we call a WIPS. It's a slip that you take to your local CVS. Give them that and take your payment via cash, and they'll give you a receipt, and it'll automatically apply to your ledger. Um, So the local CVS, the online payment portal, you can still pay in the office, but you will be charged a convenience fee of $20. So probably over 95% of our residents are now paying either at the local CVS or through their online payment portal, which we absolutely love. Yeah, I mean, that's super cool. When I stayed in an apartment, uh, I never saw my landlord because I worked uh, and I left before the office opened and got back before it closed. And so I just had to drop my check in a box. And so this way I could just run up to CVS and pay, know the money's going to get there immediately. It's not going to have that like crazy delay that checks have where someone has to take it up there, cash it. And like a week and a half later, I'm like, why did this money come out of my account? So CVS is fast. I love it. Now, what if my paydays are off or falls on a weird day so I I can't pay my rent by the first or even by the sixth What, what should I do Okay, so again, we are an affordable housing community. Um, With that being said, every resident has to be treated the same. So just because you're not paid until the 15th, your rent is still due on the 1st with a grace period through the 5th. So if you cannot make your rent in that time, you will be hit with a $50 late fee on the morning of the 6th. Um, I would definitely encourage you to speak with the manager myself or the assistant manager. Um, See about signing a promise to pay form if you would qualify to do that and or contact yourself, Mr. Keith, with our empowerment to see what can be worked out, if anything. So I think that's really important is if you can't pay your rent, it's so important to contact the complex and just talk to them. If you've been a good payer and a good resident, more times than not, they're going to work with you. What sends alarm bells through the complex is when the sixth rolls around, they do their late fees and someone that's been paying hasn't paid a single dime or hasn't contacted them, which kicks off the eviction process, which you do not want to be a part of. There's expensive and additional fees at that point. So definitely, if you can't pay your rent, talk to the complex. Other than not paying rent, what are some of the things that could get me evicted? Okay, so other than the financial, just not being able to pay your rent due to financial uh, hardships, having unauthorized live-ins, too many noise complaints, or just too many complaints, period, um, would definitely be grounds to get you evicted. You know, I think uh, when I lived in the complex, I was really young, um, just fresh out of school and had no kids. And I think that the noise thing didn't make a lot of sense to me. Now I've got babies and holy cow, when I get those kids to sleep, it is a celebration. Uh, Me and my wife do high fives and we just like crash. The worst thing in the world could be someone driving through the complex with loud music, my neighbors banging on the walls, something to wake up my kids. I mean, that would be absolutely awful. So make sure when you are a resident that you are kind to your neighbors and keep that in consideration because 
The neighbors are the ones that are going to complain to the complex, and that's what's going to cause you to get evicted. And rightfully so. Kids are hard to get asleep. And Keith, if you don't mind, let me just add to that and say that a lot of times um, the resident or the leaseholder's guest, um, you know, if they come onto the properties creating turmoil, havoc, disturbing the peace, then in essence, the leaseholder is responsible for their guest and all the actions of their guests while they're on property. So unfortunately, it happens more times than not. It may not be the leaseholder's actions, but an action of their guest that gets them into eviction. So be very mindful and very aware of your guest and even the guest of your guest. Just be aware of who is in your apartment. Absolutely. I think it's really important um, to talk about. The reality is apartments are very close together. It becomes a very small community and we all have to live here and live together. And we want to make sure that while we're at home, it is as enjoyable as an experience as we can have within some guidelines being, we have to be nice to each other. I mean, that's, and a lot of the landlords or apartment complex staff, they don't live here. They go home. They don't have to deal with it. Um, but we do as tenants and we want to make sure that we create the best environment for us because this is where we live. This is where our kids play. So we want to be good neighbors. We want to be good tenants. And we want to make this the best neighborhood in our area. So make sure you're doing that. So before we go, I have one last question for you. Sure. I'm evicted uh, for whatever reason. Maybe it was my friends were too loud. Or probably the most common thing I see for eviction is people didn't pay their rent. I'm out. They've called the sheriff or the constable, depending on what state you're in, and they've put all my stuff on the outside of my apartment on the street, and I now don't have a place to live. But it's more complicated than that. It, 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 there's long-term consequences to being evicted, right? What are some of those? Absolutely. Definitely long-term consequences when you are evicted. The first one is obvious. You're going to lose your property. If there's any property in there after the seven days that we go to court, I have the constable come with my maintenance staff and anything that's in that apartment, it now belongs to us. We actually set it on the side of the street or either by the dumpster and that property is gone. So you lose your own personal property. Uh, that's one. Two is it is a permanent public record. Um, so anyone doing any kind of research will be able to uh, to know that you were evicted and it is a permanent public record it means it goes nowhere um, you'll have an eviction on your record it's going to give you a poor credit rating no reputable company or landlord will rent to you if you've been evicted in the last three to five years and if they do they will or may possibly require much higher rent and an even more higher deposit um, so those things, the combination of all those things will definitely be the long-term consequences of being evicted. And it's important to know the credit score is a huge deal. Credit score stays with you for seven years. So we actually have some clients in our investments or our empowerment that have really good paying jobs, could probably afford a nice house, but they have poor credit. And so they're stuck working our program so that they can move into a house and buy a house uh, because in their 20s they were evicted less than seven years ago so there's huge consequences there's going to be you're gonna have a hard time finding a place to live it's going to be expensive and it's not going to be as nice so please 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 
Do not get evicted. If you learn anything from this podcast, that's what you should do. I think that's it for today. So thank you so much for joining us, Miss Roberts. I had a blast talking to you. I'm sure we'll have you on again sometime. From all of us here at Our Empowerment, thank you for listening. And remember, it's always the darkest just before someone turns on the light.